tonight is Revelation 12. I was so excited about it because I think it's 18 verses long. So I thought, well, it's going to be short. And so it's not. We're going to split it into two weeks. So we'll do a half, half of the chapter tonight and half next week. Uh, based on the way we're going, we should end about mid-May, right before school gets out. So I think we'll have 10 more chapters to go. So that's a minimum of 10 weeks. And we'll try to do a chapter a week. So that'll put us... Uh, if we give ourselves plenty of freedom to kind of study it deeper, we can be done around the 1st of May. So I'm excited about it. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're learning a lot. I know I am. We went to lunch with some folks today, and they were just saying, how much have you learned? And I said, well, I've, it stretched my mind a lot, and I've, I've come to grips that I believe some things I didn't believe before just by digging in, and I hope it's helped you as well. Let's pray, and let's jump right in. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for a chance to dig the Bible out and to study the Bible, make it practical to us, make it make sense, uh, that we can grow from it. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. And you shout amen. amen. Let's, let's, do a, let's do a recap, if we will. Last week, chapter 11, we came to the conclusion that to really understand the content and context, we need to do it from a Jewish perspective. We looked at the different temples, the heavenly temple, the first and second, the spiritual temple, the church, and, oops, sorry, and then uh, the Millennial Kingdom, and I pray you were blessed by that. That video is now up, so you can download it and watch it and catch up on all of that if you want to. We looked at uh, the final temple that was done by King Herod and looked into that in depth and then kind of landed here, and I felt like that was a pretty good uh, description of where we are. Uh, and where we're headed into this millennial kingdom and what God has to come for us. But tonight, we jump a chapter ahead in chapter 12. So open your Bibles, if you will, to Revelation chapter 12. We're going to read it. It's an interesting chapter. It almost as you read it, you wonder, can we even get anything out of it for our day and age? But uh, I believe we can. So let's do it. Here we go. Verse 1, New Living Translation. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant. She cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. And then I witnessed in heaven another significant event, and I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his head. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to earth. And he stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1260 days. That's three and a half years. And then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. And then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I like that. By the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens. You who live in the heavens, rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. When the dragon realized he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, but she was given two wings like those of a great eagle so she could fly to a place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected for the dragon for a time, times, and half time. That's three and a half years. Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth. But the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river and gushed out that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Then the dragon took his stand on the shore, 
beside the sea. That's some pretty good stuff, don't you think? And so tonight we're going to dive into this and pull it apart. I thought it was interesting that as bad as it is now, there is coming a time where the devil is going to amp it up because his time is even shorter. So it'll get much, much worse. And uh, my reasoning of taking this chapter slowly is it's very pivotal, pivotal in understanding how, how I've been thinking about the church and the Jews and the Gentiles, but it also answers a whole lot, specifically this one question that I get all the time. Is the book of Revelation a book of history that's already passed, or is it future? And should we look forward to this stuff? And there's a whole group of people that believe the book of Revelation is over and done with, and it's a historical book. And then on the opposite side of the coin is, no, we believe it's future and all of it's going to come. We're going to look at all of that. We're going to pull it apart, make it make sense to us today. So this chapter will plug into 2021 and hopefully open it up. Let's look at this. This is on your worksheet. To understand how to pull apart the chapter, we've got to start with understanding what's meant by signs. We've talked about this before. But signs are symbols or tools that help us point to the reality of the thing being referred. In other words, the sign shoots you to the reality, but is not the reality. And we're going to pick up several signs in this book. We're going to pick up a woman who, who is a symbol and a sign. Uh, we're going to pick up a child that is a symbol and a sign and a dragon. So those three, the woman, the child, and the dragon are going to be symbols. So as we go through this chapter, we're talking about a woman, but not a woman. We're talking about a child, but not a child. We're going to talk about a dragon, but not a dragon. But all of them are used as symbols. They're used as signs that if you do your biblical research will point you to what the sign is really talking about. It, it, is, it is moving us to understand the reality. To help you understand what I mean, this is a sign I got of the city of Atlanta. Welcome to the city of Atlanta. How many of you know that's a sign? But that's not Atlanta, is it? But it's a sign of Atlanta. In other words, it, it points to Atlanta. It lets you know when Atlanta was founded, and it talks about, but for those of us that are here, here's the reality of Atlanta. There you go. <laughs> I probably wouldn't even need a sign. I'd just throw that up, and you go, Atlanta. <laughs> so I've been there, done that, stuck in that. But that's kind of what Revelation 12 is doing. Revelation 12 is saying a dragon, and we see the sign of a dragon, but it's pointing to a reality uh, of what really makes sense. It says a woman, but it's pointing to a reality, not just a sign. And if we don't understand how to bring the sign into the reality, we come up with all kind of weird interpretations of this chapter that can get us off point and not really know how to make sense of it. So let's jump into Revelation 12. Let's look at them. So... Here are the signs that are coming. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. And again, I, I think that's why I want to take such time on this chapter is if the chapter starts out that what you're about to read has great significance, how many of you rather slow the wagon down and kind of let it breathe for a moment to understand it versus running through it? So that's why I want to do it in two parts tonight. I saw a woman. There's the sign clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. We're going to talk about her, try to define what's the reality of this woman. She was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. So there's the kid, the baby, the child. And then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head, this is pretty much what it looked like if it's painted out and drawn out. Again, it kind of just looks like something like out of a Disney kind of movie or some kind of strange uh, sci-fi when you really look at what John must have been seeing. But he's seeing dragons with horns and crowns on their head attacking a pregnant woman who's standing on the sun, the, the moon and the sun above her head with you know stars around her head. And it just casual reading you're like now nah, I just got to get out of this chapter it doesn't really make sense it's just kind of how does this even apply to me in 2020 if it's all past which we'll talk about next week 
if this whole chapter is past, we're good. Let's just read about it and try to figure out where it fits in history and move on with life. But if it's futuristic, then I would really rather hang out and go, if this is coming, I want to be ready for it. And so, as I said before, if John saw a dragon, let's believe it's a dragon until we get better clarity. So either this thing's going to show up as an alien or something from another planet, or what he saw was a sign and a symbol pointing to a reality, and this thing is going to come, but it's not going to be a dragon. But he saw it as a dragon, and so if we'll do our research, maybe we can figure out these three people, the pregnant lady, the baby in her belly, and the dragons, and hopefully make sense of it. So let's, let's do due diligence and look at the woman. Uh, the woman, according to a lot of Christians, is Mary. Um, and believe it's Mary, the Catholic Church, this is where they get their image of Mary. You'll see a lot of Catholic churches will have Mary standing on the moon with the sun behind her and then the stars above her head because this chapter is the definitive definition of what that eternal Mary would look like, that Mary in the spirit world. And so they, you know, this is, tends to be the way they feel like she looks, which I think is kind of cute that they've made her a lily-white, blue-eyed lady. And uh, so that kind of shows you how we can often just put our own, you know, thinking into it, other than she was a Middle Eastern woman. So... But I want to just kind of go through and determine, is this who they're talking about? Is John seeing Mary or is he seeing something else? And let's see if we can define it. Here's the scripture. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of stars on her head. And so let's see if the Bible, remember what I told you, we can speculate all day long. And we can just go, well, it has to be Mary because she birthed Jesus and who else would the devil want to be coming for? But as we said before, let's just go backwards in the Bible and see if there's anywhere in Scripture whereby we might could determine who this is. And how many of you want to know what book of the Bible we're going to go to? Genesis. Genesis. Uh, because I believe in Genesis is a seed of everything. And remember, John is seeing something in Revelation that though a shock to us if we just read it and not know who it is, but if I turn backwards and go all the way back and start looking for this woman, this woman is going to show up. Let's read Genesis chapter 3. We'll start working our way through. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild, and you will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause what? Hostility between you and the woman, between her, your offspring and her offspring, and then I gave you in a pink, he. So what we see going on here is a, a supernatural uh, hostility that from the beginning of time, the serpent uh, who is shown up in the Garden of Eden where Lucifer hijacks the serpent and uses the serpent for his will... There's an ongoing war between three people, between Satan, between the woman, and between her kids. So now all we got to do is just determine, well, who could the woman be that Satan is so anxious in Revelation 12 to grab a hold of? I don't perceive that it's Eve. Uh, I don't think the, the woman that's to come was Eve, but he does attack Eve. Because Eve is, holds the seed of God for all humanity. So when he prophesies in Genesis that the woman is going to have a baby that's going to crush the serpent's head, how many of you know this angel Lucifer is smart enough to know, well, if the God of creation said that the woman is going to have a kid to crush my head, what am I going to do as a serpent? What am I going to do as Lord of a kingdom of darkness is the first thing I'm going to do is come after women. Because if I can have the woman, I can have the seed. And if I can have the seed, I won't ever have my head crushed. So there's this thing, though we may downplay women throughout history and men kind of rule the show, it has been women that the devil is afraid of. Because women bear 
the promise that out of her womb will come the Messiah to crush his head. And I, I think that's probably why the devil has worked so hard throughout history to make women these weak, subservient people who need men to exist because they need to downplay in the kingdom of darkness, downplay the power of a woman because she's the one that's going to carry that seed. He, thank you for the one that's true. <laughs> and it came from my mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but don't think it not ironic today that the very thing happening today is not because we're trying to help women have better birth control by killing their babies, it's because Lucifer knows that every baby in the womb of a woman is a threat to his kingdom. Whether that woman had the baby out of wedlock, that woman's going to have a baby because she got raped, or that woman's having the baby because she desires to have a baby, he doesn't care. He literally cannot stand the fact that a woman can have a womb that could produce something that could destroy him. So what does he do? He attacks the woman, attacks her womb, because if he can get the woman to destroy her own womb, I never have to worry about the kid destroying me. So this thing of abortion is not just Democrats versus Republican or my body, my choice kind of thing. It's been going on from day one. It is a demonic attack on the power of a woman. And now today, 2020, what do we have? We now not only have downplayed women, we now say men can become women. Why can a man become a woman and be no threat to Lucifer? Because he has no womb, and a man thinking he's a woman but doesn't have a womb is not a threat to him at all. Because the thing that's a threat to him is the womb that carries the seed. So that's why all this garbage we see just floating around, transgenders and all, it may sound cute to us in our society like we're trying to be a better world and accept people, and that's fine. I mean, I understand people want laws to protect how they feel. I'm okay with that. But in a kingdom realm, it has zero to do with that. It has everything to do with the womb of a woman. So the seed of God in humanity and the thing that happens, I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. I'll, I'll just bring this point. The next woman we see in the Bible, it, you wouldn't maybe pick her as a woman, but she is considered to be a woman. It's really a man, but as the nation bursts itself out, it's referred to as a woman and a wife of God. And it is the nation, the entire nation of Israel, uh, and that carried the seed of God's holy people. So that's why all the way through the Old Testament, once the nation of Israel is birthed, what does Lucifer do? He tries his best to corrupt them. How does he corrupt them? I need these holy people to marry and intermarry unholy people. Because if holy people marry unholy people, they produce unholy offspring and I don't have to worry about them. They'll be my people. This is why the Bible says, do not intermarry. It's not because God's racist. It's not because God thinks Jews shouldn't marry somebody outside of their race, or as we teach it today, white should never marry black, because that's the way God intended it. It has zero to do with race and everything to do with the seed of holiness. It's why in the New Testament, even the New Testament says, an unbeliever should never marry to a believer, vice versa. The believer should never marry an unbeliever. Because one is a child of the Father and one is a child of the devil. We kind of assume, that's ah, no big deal. He goes to church, she goes to church. We love each other, let's get married. And, and God's looking at it from a womb that is holy. So he sees the woman's womb is holy or her womb is unholy and the two should never come together because you cannot have God and the devil existing in the same realm of the womb. I know that's weird. It doesn't even fit science the way we would teach it, but I'm not talking science. I'm talking spirituality on a plane of his kingdom. So I do understand all the other nuances, but I'm not talking about those. I just want to land on the kingdom side. Now, here's a thought. Once Eve's begin to birth children, and out of Eve comes all humanity, and to destroy humanity, 
And then once Abraham bursts a nation out of him and we have God's holy people, um, Lucifer is working overtime. For one reason, I have to stop this seed that is going, watch, that is going to destroy me. Why is he so threatened? Because God spoke it and whatever God speaks is true. He knows that. He was created by God. He's worshipped God. He's been part of the heavenly courtyard. He understands how it works. So how does he destroy the seed of humanity coming out of Eve? This is deep, but you can go there if you want to go there. By the time we get to Genesis chapter 6, the devil and his demons have perverted the entire human race so that the only family that's still holy is Noah. Nobody else is holy. Nobody else is pure. The devil has perverted all of humans. And every human soul has been perverted by Lucifer. It's called the Nephilim, where the angels of God slept with the daughters of men. It's a whole other teaching. But it does bear witness of why God had to destroy an entire civilization of people. It's not because God was ticked at them. God had already been upset before. He was ticked at Adam and Eve and forgave them. It's that God couldn't work with an unholy group of people. They had no hope. They had already given themselves over to the devil. So he pulled the one family that was blameless, saved them, and we would call started over. Well, when he started over, out of that comes Abraham, and he produces a race of people called the Hebrews or the nation of Israel. And Lucifer's like, watch now, the moment God chose Abraham, and said to Abraham, out of your belly will come nations as big as the star of the sky. And heard him tell, your wife Sarah will have a child. He immediately latches on to that and has a war with them. The first war starts with, you're not going to have a kid. Go sleep with your maid and have another kid and let that kid be the one. So he has Ishmael and, uh, and they just, they've been fighting for generations. <laughs> Because God says, yeah, man, that's not the one. Sorry. But even to this day, uh, Ishmaelites, the Arabs, cannot, most of them can't stand the Jews. They're fighting to this day over it because the devil has hated the whole thing. And the third option we have for who this woman is in Revelation 12 is Mary. And Mary carried the seed of God in person, Jesus Christ. So all these women are potential to who John is talking about. I think we can get rid of Eve and we can kind of throw her to the side that, that that's not the one John is talking about, but we do land on he's either talking about a nation of God's people or Mary himself. Let's look at this, the offspring of those. The offspring of Eve was Cain. Anybody want to tell me what happened to Cain? Killed his brother. Why? Because I have to get rid of the seed. I have to kill the seed. Now here's the strange thing to understand what's happening here is that when, when Eve has Cain, the natural assumption is by what she named him, I think it's God has given me a child, what she names Cain is in presupposition that Cain will destroy the serpent. Now when Cain doesn't destroy the serpent, when he's old enough. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't go back and, and do what the prophecy was. The natural assumption is, if it's not Cain, I need another child. He has another child. They name it Abel. Assumption is, Abel will be the one that will take the serpent out. The serpent himself is probably clued in. Two children from the womb of the woman that's going to kill me is a, is a double threat now. They're going to team up on me here. So what I need to do is cause this one to get angry at that one and kill that one who probably could take me out. Obviously, this one hasn't. I'm not a threat to him. But the second one could be. So I'm going to have the first one who I pretty much know is not the seed to kill the second one. And then I know when he kills the second one, God's going to have to banish him. He'll not be a problem for me either. Because Lucifer, remember, is not some pitchfork red guy with, with beady eyes who's stupid. He is the most brilliant created being God has ever made. And so he's working a plan. He just never factored that Eve would go back in and bear Seth and off we would come. But to show you how powerful this is, by the time we get to Genesis chapter 5, before Noah, the whole chapter is an obituary. 
read it. So-and-so had so-and-so, and they died. So-and-so had so-and-so, and they died. And now we see that as, as quickly as we can produce humans, they're dying off. So death now becomes the answer to a human killing me. I'm just going to kill them off as fast as I can. Now watch. Not only am I going to kill them off as fast as I can, I'm going to destroy their DNA because these people can produce some kids like bunny rabbits. So rather than me trying to kill them all off, why don't I just pervert it since they like sex so much, pervert it, create a race of people, and let God kill them off. So then he backs off, and God now has to just wipe out humanity. So win-win for Satan. I only have Noah left. And if you read the story of Noah, Noah gets out of the boat, creates a vineyard. As soon as he creates a vineyard, gets drunk, his boy comes in, sees him naked, and the uh, story theologically is he had sex with his daddy. He woke up the next day and his daddy cursed him. So now the devil is, is cursing people. Whole nations of people curse now. So let's not just think these are Bible stories. Every story you're reading in the Bible is not so you can have vacation Bible school. It's so you can understand that there is a war between the seed of God and Lucifer and it's playing out before your very eyes. And here's what's even weirder. You're now part of it. You're now part of the war whether you wanted to be or not. You're in it by being on planet earth. Here's Israel. The offspring that's the nation Israel is Abraham's offspring become a Jewish nation. Now that Jewish nation, though birthed out of a man, is going to be referred to as a woman. Throughout most of the prophetic writing, she's referred to as God's wife. Uh, and God takes it very personally that he's married himself to these people and considers them his wife. And the third one is Mary and Jesus, and the offspring of Jesus is the church. And what's the one thing the devil wants to do? Attack humans, attack Jews, and attack the church. I'm going to be working overtime on all of them. Here's how brilliant he is. I don't have to do much attacking the humans. Their unregenerate nature, they'll kill each other off. Good with that. Let them kill each other. The Jewish nation, no big deal. I'll get them to seek other gods. I'll get them to disperse. I'll get them to run after other things. They're really not a problem to me anymore. I have no threat to them. And to the church, I will get them fighting each other, devouring each other from the internal side. They're no threat to me because nobody's going to produce anything holy. You're not a threat. So now here we sit in 2021 wondering, is anybody alive even a threat to him today? So the thing that's going to threaten them, we'll get there and see what it is. Genesis 12. What I want to take you on is a journey of why I think the woman that he's talking about is the nation of Israel, which is going to go back to what I taught you before, that the entire book of Revelation after chapter 3 is about this nation. It's not about Mary, but it's about a nation that the devil hates, and he's going to do his best to destroy their seed. The Lord said in Genesis 12 to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. This is just, you know, kind of a great scripture. We preach it. But if you're the devil, and you already know that out of this guy that God's going to choose is going to come a seed that is going to crush you, what are you going to do? I'm going to go into that man's family. I'm going to destroy the land that he wants. And I'm going to destroy the nation he's going to become. And most of the Old Testament is the devil trying to destroy the land and the nation of Israel. He corrupts the land with the Canaanites and there's giants in the land. They can't even go in the land. The land is unclean. It's been perverted by all this race of people. Not only does he pervert the land, he... He, uh, you know, the Nephilim are in the land, the giants are in the land, so the devil has just perverted the whole land, which is why when God comes in, in uh, to Jericho, he says, man, annihilate everybody. Kill them all, kill the women, kill the children, kill everybody. Why? Because it's not because God hates humans. 
It's that whole race of people in the promised land had been perverted by the demonic DNA of the devil and God's got to wipe them off because he's moved into the land to pervert the land. It's not just God hates people and is killing them. He's perverted the land and he's going to do his best to pervert the nation. Genesis 15. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look, as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, and west, I'm giving you what? All right, all this land. This is why I believe that Revelation is not about the church, it's about the Jews. Because what the devil is ticked over is this group of people that God has chosen to be a wife, he's given a piece of land to, and I'm going to get that land from him, and I'm going to get that land from his descendants, and I'm going to set myself up in that land as God, and I'm going to proclaim myself as God. That's the whole next few chapters that are coming in Revelation. But this is where the angst for that land started. We're not just reading about it in Revelation like the devil says, I think I like that. It's kind of pretty land. He's wanted it from this time on. Why? Because there's enmity between this and him. I've got to stop it. So that's why the devil, though we like to think he's kind of, you know, excited about the whole world. He's the God of the world. Okay, we'll give you that. He's the God of the world, but he wants this. This is what he's shooting for. A chunk of land that has a temple on it from last week because he wants to set himself up as God and sit on that throne and rule these people. That's what he's been after from Genesis 3.15. And as we saw several lessons back, this is the land he wants. He doesn't want America. He doesn't want Cabo. He doesn't want Hawaii. He wants this land. Why? Because this is the promise given by God to the group of people through whom the seed would come that would destroy him, so he's going to destroy the people and the land. And this is why as we move through the book of Revelation, we're always pointing back this way. We're always headed toward these, the final battles that we're going to read about are going to be inside this pink here. And that again is because the devil's been fighting for it since Genesis 3.15. Revelation 12, 1, back to the top of our scripture. I saw a woman, and here's what she was clothed with. The sun and the moon and the 12 stars. So I've tried to give you who the three women could potentially be. And now I want to tell you why I think that nation is a group of people called Israel. There's a passage of scripture in Genesis that basically tells us why this woman is the nation of Israel. It's in a dream that Joseph has. And Joseph has a dream, and here's his dream. He told his brothers about it and said, Listen, I've had another dream, he said. What does he dream? The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed low before me. Which, again, is weird that he has a dream that matches Revelation 12. Sun, moon, and 11 stars, those are his brothers. There's 12 because he's included in the, in the nation in 12. But here he sees his 11 brothers coming and, and bowing down. He, he doesn't really say, he just said, what I see is this, but his daddy defines it for him, who is Jacob. This time he told the dream to his father, who is Jacob. And he, he said to his father, but his father scolded him. Now watch what his father does. His father interprets the symbol for us. His daddy says, what kind of dream is this? Will your mother... And I and your brothers actually come bow down before you. In other words, the sun, the moon, the stars was Jacob, Rachel, and their kids, which is the nation of Israel. So what we have Genesis doing for us is defining what John was seeing. He was seeing the nation of Israel played out before his very eyes. And he says, I see this nation. I see a woman, but she's clothed with the sun, the moon, and the stars. I see this lady. She's pregnant. We go back and see it's not Mary that he's talking about. It's the nation of Israel. And this is the wife of God that will do what? That will birth the Messiah. Messiah will come out of the Jewish nation. Whether we like that or not, Jesus is very much a Jew. 
And when he rules and reigns, he rules as a Jew. He doesn't come back to be a Gentile. He is forever a Jew. He will forever sit on the throne of David. He will ever for rule from Jerusalem as a king of the Jews over all the world, which is strange, right? But this is what it's referring to. So now the devil is going to despise the nation of Israel. It may not feel that, you know, prevalent right now, but if you go back to 1940s, it was very prevalent that when Hitler rose up and just despised the Jews, they were nothing more than just not even real humans he would teach. He would teach the young uh, soldiers that were coming up through the ranks of education that they are not even human. That's why we can do experiments on them and kill them and burn them in Auschwitz and burn their bodies. Over six plus million Jews annihilated with Hitler who hated and despised him because he wanted the world, which to me is a precursor of what is to come. That spirit was working uh, in a human being to try to move this thing forward. It didn't happen, praise God. It was stopped, and whether, uh, however God used it, it obviously wasn't the time, but you still see, even in some of your generations now that are alive, you saw the atrocities that happened to the hatred of the Jews. Here's the scripture from the prophet Jeremiah that alludes that Israel is a woman, referred to as a woman. During the reign of King Josiah, the Lord said to me, have you, have you seen what fickle Israel, there's the nation, has done? Like a wife who commits adultery, Israel has worshipped other gods on every hill and under every green tree. I thought after, and he refers to her now as female. The entire nation, God's referring to her as a female. After she has done all this, she will return to me, but she did not return. Her faithless sister Judah even refers to Judah as a female. She saw that I divorced faithless Israel because of her adultery. So even the prophet Jeremiah alludes that God sees the Israel as a woman. So here's my take, is that I believe the woman that John is writing about is the nation of Israel who will birth out the Messiah and this dragon is going to despise this nation. This is what the whole chapter is about, chapter 12. He has this angst toward this whole nation of people. Now this may make a little more sense. We've already kind of brought it through. But it, it may make sense to you now why God will choose 144,000 out and seal their foreheads so they cannot uh, be killed in the moment because God is going to use them to witness to this nation. They're going to become the witness to the world of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He pulls them out and the my belief, I don't know if you, you have to believe this, my opinion is uh, the entirety of the book after chapter 4 is nothing but this. It's God dealing with these Jewish people and a devil that has hated them from day one and he's going to finish what he started. Let's look at the child. He saw a pregnant woman and uh, that pregnant woman was Israel. And we know that out of the nation Israel came the child, and this is what it said. Pretty simple. I don't think we need to bear a lot of time on this one. It's just pretty logical who it's going to be. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God into his throne. Now, the reason I don't believe this is baby Jesus, but the resurrected Jesus he's seeing and talking about is that he alludes that this is a Jesus who's ruling on the nations and, ha and has a throne. Listen to what Micah will say, uh, Psalm 2, what the psalmist will say. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said, you are my son, and today I've become your father, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. The whole earth is your possession. You will break them with an iron rod. Jesus now is the son who is to come that the devil and the dragon is going to persecute. Here's Galatians 3 that will even sum it up. That this child that came from the loins of Abraham through the nation of Israel who was a woman, that child has been defined as Christ. So Christ is the child that the devil hates. He's the one with the iron scepter in his hand. So now what we have in chapter 12 is the nation of Israel and we have the Christ child who is ruling the nations and this dragon 
is going to go to war with them. A future thing that he's going to do, not a past thing, which is what I'll teach you next week why I believe that. The dragon, we don't really need to dig very far. We just need to keep reading. And if we just keep reading chapter 12, it defines who the dragon is. Don't you like it when it just tells you? <laughs> we don't even have to really think. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, so if you ever wanted to know, was that really the devil in Genesis? It links the serpent up to the devil, and the devil's also called Satan. So Satan gets four good names here. He gets the great dragon, he gets an old serpent, he gets the devil, and he gets Satan. All four of those bear a name that will play out through most of the Bible. But in all of those, as he's playing out, he's working a plan. He is not just randomly uh, biting his nails, waiting on his death, waiting on his finished time. He's working a plan. I'll tell you how I deduce this. You remember the story in the Gospels where Jesus is walking... And as he's walking down, he bumps into a guy that is demon-possessed. And out of the guy's thing, his mouth comes, uh, Son of God, have you come to uh, basically torment and kill us and judge us before our time? It's not my time yet. Even the devils know that they've got a job to do, but they're on a limited time frame. They already know what's going to happen. It's been prophesied, but eat, watch. Even though they know they lose, even though the demons know, have you come to torment us before our time, even though the devils of hell know there's an end coming, they still are working overtime to deceive so that we don't think there's an end coming so they can keep working their plan to kill humans, to annihilate the Jews, and destroy the church. So if I can keep humans deceived, there is no end coming. It's just going to keep going like it's going. Forget about the kingdom. Seek yourself. Run after your happiness. Pursue yourself. Be who you are. Be you. Do you. If I can get you deceived that way, that it's about you and your life versus him and his life and kingdom, you're no threat to the devil at all. A lazy Christian is no more threat to the devil than a dead one. A Christian who's not uh, witnessing and, and, and you know, being the light and being the salt, you're no threat to him at all. But a spirit-filled, born-again, Bible-believing, passionate, bold person is a threat to him. And so his job is to deceive the whole world so that uh, basically I can get you so sidetracked that you're not even a threat to me. Most of your prayers will be self-sufficient prayers, bless me prayers, fix me prayers, help me prayers. If I can just get you deceived enough that you think this is all about you and all about Jesus taking care of you and you miss that it's about him and you fighting for his kingdom, I can beat you. So I think we would all agree that we're in a desperate strait today when Jesus just becomes the help me, bless me, fix me kind of Jesus versus me going, dude, I don't even love my life to the point of death. Whatever you want me to do, ask me and I'll do it for you. You know, I think that's kind of what the threat is to the devil, which is why as we read on, he says, and they love not their lives even to the death. In other words, they understood there was a bigger purpose on my life than retirement, a bigger purpose on my life than just get married, live life, and enjoy life. There was a kingdom purpose on my life. And my belief, just to, without preaching it, my belief is that kingdom purpose is to own your 50 feet. Like, whatever you're called to do, do it for Jesus, no matter what it is. But here's the thought. Why would the devil, Satan, why is he referred to as a seven-headed dragon with seven crowns and ten horns? Why even show him the picture... Of the devil. Why not just say it's the devil? Why refer to him in the picture that John saw uh, of this dragon? <clears throat> Why refer to him this way? Why do I have to have this weird creature? And if we go back to the sign that what we can deduce is though John saw a dragon that is related to Satan, which is the reality of the dragon, why did he see it as a dragon? And it's going to be uh, pretty clear what that is. And here is the thought of it. 
Anybody want to remember what we talked about long, long time ago? In the book of Daniel chapter 7, all of these visions came out of all of these things in Daniel chapter 7. And lo and behold, look up the very top. What do you see in that dream, in that vision? There's the dragon. There's the dragon that Daniel saw with seven horns on his head. So let's just go to Daniel chapter 7 and see what Daniel says about this dragon. Then he said to me, the fourth beast is the fourth world power that will do what? All right, so now if you go back and study Daniel 7, we're not just talking about the devil singularly. The reason he sees a dragon with seven heads and, or ten heads and the crowns on his head and the ten horns is because this dragon that he sees is not just the devil singular. The devil has worked in a deceptive way so powerfully that it's now a world power. It's a, it's a conglomeration of nations. It says this, it will be different from all the others. It will devour the whole world. This power, this world power will devour the whole world, trampling and crushing everything in its path. It's ten horns or ten kings. So now we know it's not just the devil. It's the devil's power working with ten nations of people to, to conquer the world. Uh, he's getting a conglomeration of alliances. He's building his allies together. He's getting everybody to think the same. Everybody's thinking non-kingdom. Here's what he's doing. He said he'll get these to rule the empire. Then another king will arise different from the other ten. That's the Antichrist, the one that's going to rule the whole thing, who will subdue three of them. Now watch what it says begins to happen with this world power. Managed by the devil pushed in deception by the devil, but working in a political realm. This, uh, this devil, just so you understand what's going on and you understand it now in our 2020, the devil is not necessarily working with demons. He's working with demons via politics. He understands to rule the world, I need political kingdoms that will bow down to my power. So the way he's going to begin to move toward the end is he's going to gather global politics. So what do we have to do? Well, sometime about 50 years ago, we have to start shifting people to think globally. Uh, 50 years ago, we did not think globally. We thought national. We are America. We rule. We're proud to be America. Nobody like America or wherever you are from. We are England. We are proud to be England. We are India. We are proud to be India. But because there's a devil that's trying to rule globally with global po political war, I've got to shift through, watch, through deception to make people think global politics is the best way to run the show. And so we formed the United Nations, and now we join the United Nations, and now we shoot for global politics. If you go back to the uh, presidency of Obama, uh, which would be 2008 to 2016, uh, if you go back to that, there was a, a wide push for global politics. If you remember, we, de we depleted our military uh, we sent, uh, we, we're just every, it's, it's just globalism. It's, it's everybody is working for everybody else. Now, that spirit uh, of global politics feels good if you're just political. It feels good if you're just a human on the planet, like, yay, we're all working together for Mother Earth. But if you're smart enough to be kingdom-minded, globalism is a demonic thing that's working to push forth the kingdom of the Antichrist to destroy the people of God. So watch this. I'm not saying if I am or am not for Trump. I mean, everybody's got their own hole here to dig. But when Donald Trump came on the scene, why did they hate him so much? You can tell me it's because he's Republican. They did not hate him because he was Republican. They did not hate him because he was truly racist. If you go back and study him and look at him, I mean, he's just all over the black community. His, long before he became president, everybody loved him. Rappers love him. Everybody loves him. 
But the moment he becomes president, he's hated, he's despised, he's a homophobe, he's a racist. How dare you wear a red hat? How dare you like him? Because if you do, you're just like him. You're a sorry, no good, racist, homophobe. And you sit there and go, where in God's name all this come from? Four years of vitriol hate from every news show. A division in our country so wide that Christians can't even eat together because we voted for different people. You think that's normal? You think two spirit-filled, tongue-talking people can't go to Mexican because we voted differently? That's not normal. It's demonic. Now, the, now watch. You don't have to believe this. Come back. I'm happy fella. Listen. Just take, take a thought. This is a thought. The reason he was despised is because he despised globalism. And he turned everything into America first. I don't mean this really. I don't care about you, 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 or you. We are going to build us, our military, our economy, our people. We're not fighting for globalism. We're coming out of the climate accord. We're done with Iraq and Iran. We're done sending billions. We're going to build us. We're going to protect us. We're going to protect our borders. We're going to build walls. Now, coming from a I don't understand kingdom, he does look like he could be a little tense little fella. <laughs> Always barking dorky stuff in his tweets and he's just big mouth and loud mouth if you're just looking at him he's easy to not like but if you're coming from a kingdom perspective he watch this opinion i'm not saying he was a christian dude i, I have no idea his personal life habits with god but i do believe on a kingdom realm he was hated because he touched the kingdom the devil was trying to build which was globalism and he was hated and now, watch, now that he's out, follow me, it ain't Joe Biden that's the problem. If you think Joe Biden is running the country, he's not. There is a kingdom that works among men and women. This is why on day one, 30-something executive orders. We're going to go back to the climate, back to this, back to that, shut down the oil, back to the rabs, buy oil from them, back to China, back to this. What is he doing? It's not that he hated all of Donald Trump's stuff and it's just like, take this Donald, take that Donald, take this Donald. It has nothing to do with Donald. Donald's gone and in Florida and starting the office of the president who used to be. He's living his life. He doesn't care what you think. But you better know the kingdom of darkness is working to do what? I've got to shut this nationalistic thing of Americans down and I've got to get them to go back global because I was doing really good until they shut this thing down on me. So don't think that it's just happy Republican-Democrat thing here. This is why we've immediately, in less than three weeks of a new presidency, we've gone back to globalism. Economy will tank, gas will go back up, everything will be right back. Where, why? Because we have to be global. We have to be. It's not the Democrats doing it. It's not the Republicans. It is a kingdom that's working. And he does work with people who he'll ever work with. But watch, this is where it gets really fun. This new power, this world power that's coming has an agenda and it's not to just pass laws to stop a pipeline. It's not just to shut down the border wall. That's just part of the global agenda. What's really behind the power is to defy the Most High. It's to defy God. It's to defy His creation. It's to defy His truth. That's why in about a two-week time period, you now have law after law that there is no male, there is no female. They're now got this whole thing out. It's not babies, it's babies. And it, you, don't, you don't need to define the agenda of your child, even though you can pull his diaper down and see he's got a little thing there. He's probably a boy. No, no, no. You cannot say that is a boy. You have to wait till that boy turns five and then he determines whether he wants to be a boy or not. And you're going, no, that's a, that's a boy. And they're like, no, that's not. That's a baby. That's a they right now. Don't you dare crush his little soul by calling him a boy. And though we would look at that and go, gosh, this is just a weird generation. Why can't a boy just tinkle and be a boy? Why, why is that suddenly a bad thing to call him a boy? But, oh, it's like the most evil thing to call a baby a boy. 
It's because there's a defiance of the order that God set into humanity. A male and a female. Well, I'm going to defy that and just say be whatever you want to be. There is no male, there is no female. Marry whoever you want, be whoever you want. It's a defiance of God. Killing babies, abortion, a defiance of God. Uh, removing prayers out of school, a defiance of God. Uh, you can be anything you want, just not a Christian, because we hate that. You can be any religion you want, we're good. You throw Jesus in, we hate it, because we defy God. Right. I mean, that's in our country right now, <laughs> whether we like to admit it or not. I don't even think we're a Christian nation anymore, but you should just stand up and be one, and I think we would be. Um, and then he said he's going to oppress the holy people. That's not just Christians. Uh, my belief of what I've taught, we've been raptured. This is the Jewish people. Now, what I believe will happen, opinion, I'm only throwing an opinion, I believe this year you will see an amp up of hatred toward the Jews and you will start seeing Middle East skirmishes all around Iraq, Iran, Turkey, uh, all about Jews. You're going to start seeing it in the news. There's gonna, I believe there's going to come war against the Jews uh, because he's got, he's got an agenda he's pushing. And he's not just pushing globalism. He's pushing Jews. i got to get this city. I gotta, and so I think... My opinion, I could be wrong, I'm not a prophet, but I think what I feel in my heart, you're going to see a lot of skirmishes start happening again in the Middle East all around Mother Israel here. And, I think we're there, he'll try to change their sacred festivals. That means it's very religious. It's going to have some religiosity to it. And then he's going to do what? Change laws. And why does he change the laws? He wants to control you. In 2020, we have definitely seen laws that have been passed to control people. And it's not just Gavin Newsom's ticked off and trying just to shut California down because he's so mean or because Governor Cuomo's just such a mean dude that he's destroying New York with all these stupid COVID laws. It, that, that has not even a thing to do with it. What has a thing to do with it is it's training a generation of people that I can change the laws to control you. Now watch, it's not change the laws to protect you, such as if you shoot me, you go to jail. It's change the laws to control you, but telling you I'm protecting you, but I'm really controlling you. And I will control you through fear, I will control you through anxiety. I will control you through threat. I will control you through finding you. I will control you through shame. I'll do anything I do. But what I, while I'm going to do that is I'm just going to pass laws because I'm smart enough to know if I can pass the laws in a global thinking outside of the kingdom, your own race of people will shame you into being controlled. You'll control each other out of shame and fear and anxiety. You'll fight each other about wearing masks and I don't even have to do anything. So all this we've seen in the last year, it's, it's been prophesied that this is coming in a hardcore way, but it's also been coming as a current preparing us for it. I hope that's what I get to see. So here's the red dragon. The red dragon is not just the devil, it's a political world power. All right, so let's end here. I think it's the last thing on your sheet. What is the scope of this political world power? Well, here they are. Number one, it will be worldwide. I, I go back to 2020 being the first time ever in my life I've ever seen a disease or a virus have worldwide impact. Uh, Janice is here from India and his fiance is from India. They have a, a wedding plan for February that's now been postponed to April. Why? Because uh, the pandemic of COVID has had worldwide impact. Uh, it's all over. It's not just, oh man, there's a, there's a virus running through America. It's everywhere. So this globalist thing, there, we even see, we would have never thought that we could have a worldwide economic collapse in a virus in our day and age. We're, we're too medically advanced for that. But we had, and that's part of the spirit of Antichrist working. Number two, the scope will be anti-God. You'll start seeing a very ramp up of an anti-God sentiment. It's already here in our nation, especially on college campuses, but I believe you'll start seeing it all over. It'll start impacting Christians. It'll start impacting churches, a very anti-God. Even though we may still be the church, it will just be the church 
but kind of anti-God because we don't want to do what he tells us. We want to be the church and be us. And that'll be there. Number three, it will be Jew-centric. He literally, this world scope is coming after the Jews. Why? Because they have the temple. Why? Because that's where Jesus will rule. Why? Because I want to rule in Jesus' stead. Why? Because he's the one that's going to crush my head. Why? I'm going to take him out and rule him. It's going to be very Jew-centric, which is why I believe the rest of Revelation is pretty much centered around the Jew. Number four, it will have a religious flair to it. It will touch the religion. It will touch... uh, And I don't know how... I've tried to kind of think smartly how this plays out religiously, but it's just... I don't even know. I, I would like to say it's going to play out in some kind of religion like we have now, like, you know, Christianity or denominational religions or some kind of weird religion. This is just my thought. I don't know how it works, but I think globalism is going to become a religion. It's it's going to be held so deeply that people will die for it, kill for it, and go to war for it. Over this, we we would call it just a, a way of thinking, but but it's, it's we will protect and own the globe and control it, and that's the way we think. We've got to get everybody thinking that way. I kind of think that's going to be the new religion is globalism, which will go Mother Earth, climate change, work together. It's going to, those thoughts right now that are just kind of seeds of protect Mother Earth and clean the planet, I think, in my opinion, is going to meld into almost a religion that we worship that. Like, how dare you use plastic? Like, but not just dare you because it's going to kill a turtle, but, but almost to despise the fact that you're not even worthy to be alive on Mother Earth, you know, because it'll, you'll just hurt it. Number five, this new scope will change laws for global control. So laws are going to change. I believe the laws, my opinion, are going to change in the banking industry, the economic industry, the business industry. Uh, the political industry, you're going to see over the next three to five years, laws shift and change greatly to move more toward global control. I believe it's going to happen in the finance market. I believe we're going to leave the, the currency we have now. We'll probably move more toward a global currency, a Bitcoin. I don't know if it will be the Bitcoin, but I believe they're going to move toward that uh, because if I can have, watch, if I can have global currency, I can have global control. And so, I, and what I believe is they're going to get rid of currency and the global control of the law is going to be all money is just now digital. And, and I would say 80% of you in the room are already there. You're already like, yeah, just scan it, pay for it at Starbucks. I don't ever even see the money. It's just all digital. Uh, you need Venmo, there's 10. I never saw the 10, but there went the number 10. And it just Apple Pay, all the things that the younger generation does. Though we think, how cool, Apple Pay. You don't have Apple Pay yet? And we're like, no, I don't, but I do. Uh, Because it's easy. But all of that is to get a generation to go to an ease of being globally minded. It's the same thing through Instagram. Although it's fun to see pictures, it's fun through Facebook. But what did both of those things do for us? Connected us globally. So now I've got global friends everywhere. And I can go home tonight and chat them up. The guy that builds my guitars in Spain for me, I can go home tonight and get on WhatsApp, and uh, I can just chat with him all night. You know, a guy I've never seen, never met, but we've become really close friends over guitars and WhatsApp. Well, that was meant to be. It's easy to do, but it's getting us all to think globally. So that's a thought. And the final one is this. Thank God, take a deep breath. It'll be short-lived, three and a half years. Once it starts, it's going to be three and a half years long, but it's going to be, and I want to go here next week, it's going to be so terrible that if God didn't cut it short, no human would be alive. So that's how desperate it's going to get. Here's where we're going next week. Be a good thought for you. Is this political world power a past event, or is it something that's coming in the future? So we're going to look at that and see what kind of impact it has on us. And now here is the, the thing. Uh-oh, you need to look at. Sorry. I'll get to that. So hang on. I hit the wrong button. Let me get to the right button. This one is the one that's going to matter the most to you before you leave. Uh, the cute little baby. So make sure you give because we've got babies that we're taking care of. Your giving definitely makes a big difference. And then this. Come on, give me a clap. Sunday night. Mm-hmm.
Sunday night is community night. Want to know what community night's about? 5 p.m. here. We've got a taco truck, and it's just nothing but fun. Hang out together, get to know each other. And if you want to make Believer's Church your home, it's the place where you go, pray for me. We invite you into the family. We pray over you. I might even bring my banjo and play for money. You never know. I love you. Have a great night. The end. We'll see you next week. See you Sunday. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.